What up, everyone, and welcome back to Bored and Nerdy. I am your host, Estan the Legend. For those of you who weren't here last week, we had to rebrand everything because we were discovered by high school students. And I don't want them to know what I do in my free time. Uh, today's a great day, guys. I have my first in-house guest, uh, my brother-in-law, the man with the plan, because I don't have anything on the docket today, Spencer. How you doing, Spence? I'm doing great. I'm also living a fantastic life of still being incognito from people that don't know what I do on the internet. Uh, isn't it strange how we have to live like two separate lives? Our normal, you guys can't see me. I'm air quoting. Our normal lives and our internet lives have to be separate. Uh, I feel like it's probably a good thing to keep that stuff on balance, really. You know, I feel like I would have more oh god i'm dying today guys pre pre-warning i've spent 20 minutes trying to let my allergies not get the better of me and here we are dying still i can absolutely 100 guarantee you could hear in my voice right now but i'm trying to keep my throat as hydrated as possible thanks to the power of cold brew coffee you know so you guys you guys are gonna get a very high quality voice uh experience today and i just forgot what i was talking about because i'm dying do i have the coronavirus uh, stay away me. Stay away from me if you do. I can't even enunciate properly. Buckle up for this. You're gonna hear a lot of that today. So good times around. Uh, but the the idea I was trying to get at, and actually this is something I've recently started experiencing at work. So I've been working where I'm at for almost two years now. Um, and I haven't had any at work friends, which is for me kind of par for the course. But I usually have like one or two people that I'm like, you don't suck. And I haven't had any until about the past two weeks where I discovered the seedy underbelly of nerddom at work. That is that a, a good term or a bad term? I mean, for me, I think it's a good thing because I feel like the nerdier you are in real life, the more closely related our Internet lives are, which, mm. as you know, is where I spend most of my life. Fair. So I've discovered this group of nerds at work that... Um, Actually, somewhere in this room is my Warhammer 40K box I just started. I actually built the first figure yesterday. It took me two and a half hours to build my leader. Um, and now I got to go build like 20 other tiny dudes. So I'm hoping they don't take two and a half hours. A uh, quick sidebar. This is the point in the show where I tell you that I am not into tabletop gaming as much as he is right now. So a lot of this is going to be completely foreign to me. But, but, guys, good news. For those of you who have been asking me. Where's the movies? Spence watches movies. I don't. He does. And we're, we'll get into that in, in a minute. By comparison, I watch more movies than you do. Yeah, which is like a number greater than one. And and I might have taken a few classes about watching movies. You know, I've always wondered why people take classes to learn how to do things. Like, um, for instance, you, you, your sister, technically my sister-in-law, uh, fantastic artist. Mm-hmm. Why did she have to take classes to further learn how to do what she already kicked ass at doing? I don't understand that sometimes. Um, well, a lot of it has to do with refining whatever skills you have. Let me go ahead and actually silence my phone because I totally know how to do podcasts, even though I haven't been on a podcast in six years now, I think. I'm totally not following him by also silencing my phone right now. Podcast etiquette, people. Follow it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, a lot of like those types of classes are for refining the skills you already have and then also figure out 
how to develop sort of like a barometer for what the outside industry would expect from you in the medium that you're trying to work in. Like, for instance, my sister um, went through a undergraduate undergraduate program and a graduate program to become a professional illustrator. And a lot of her grad program involved a lot of professional critiques from artists that were working in the field, either as someone that was exhibiting stuff in the fine arts world or someone that was basically doing a run-and-gun um, freelance sort of thing, like illustrating books or political cartoons and stuff like that. So you're paying for connections. Yeah, and sometimes <laughs> sometimes those connections can pay off. Oh, I mean, it's, it is true. Um, as a teacher myself, one of the number one things my kids asked me was, what is the most important thing you got from college? As a high school teacher, a lot of kids that I work with are debating on whether college is worth the money or not. And that's usually my answer. My number yeah. one answer is what I got from college was connections. True. Um, I had a job right out of college because of a connection I made during college, which is a rarity. Um, and speaking of connections you make during college, you know, part of the reason I was excited to bring Spence today, besides the fact that, you know, we can argue nerd dumb uh, together, video game nerds, you know, that both do uh, streaming and, you know, creating content for people. Um, it's also the fact that you are in on side of the gaming world. I'm not the, the production side. Well, yes and no. I kind of feel like it's more of a thing of like we, like the office I was working in kind of accidentally stumbled into reaching out to gaming specific areas on the collegiate level. And at least from my perspective, I'm trying to build it up more. Um, it A lot of that will most likely involve justifying why I need to spend the university's time like taking a camera out somewhere and covering an event. Mm. So... For those who don't know, can you kind of give us a little bit of that background on what it is you went to school for mm. and how you are currently utilizing that in the context you just spoke of? Right. So I am a graduate of uh, communication studies um, from a local university. I'm not going to say which one because I still work there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, through the connections that I was able to build through my undergraduate program, I now work part-time as what some will probably call like mill management position at the um, television production facility on campus. So what my day-to-day -day life um, involves primarily is coordinating um, productions. So video coverage of like music concerts or um, having a camera or two at a art gallery opening and then get interviews of people um, discussing the art, um, produce television episodes out of that. But also more recently, We've been working more um, directly with the Department of Marketing to help build um, video and television products to help promote the campus at large and also the like fun programs that they have here and there. Like if they have a special guest come to campus, they want someone there with a camera to be like, oh yeah, this is a really cool thing that we offer here. You should come here to do a program. And one of those things that, that you guys have, offered and it's greatly interesting to me as some of the coaches uh well not this year because they took away the funding for our computers but i'm hoping again back next year some of the coaches uh competitive esports at the high school level um the university you're working at has a pretty dope facility for esports and and did you work closely with them on that 
Um, yes and no. Um, the actual building of the project was dealt with the department outside of us, although um, one person that I knew from that department contacted me directly because he heard through the grapevine that I also streamed on a casual level. Um, also one of my secret lives. I've been streaming on and off since about 2012, I believe. Um, and I've also done a few um, Extra Life charity streams here and there, whether it be like a one-day thing or like a summer long marathon um if everyone remembers my name they probably remember that i tried to run through the entire series of kingdom hearts games in a single summer and they would also know that i quit right towards kingdom hearts 2 in october so i, I thought you were like going to talk about your tony hawk runs uh i'll i'll get into that in a minute because <laughs> i actually like that more than kingdom hearts 1 but i will let you guys know now i do try i do want to try to pick that up again at some point um because i have seven games to still go through so i guess we'll see how that goes probably our, not well our guest from uh episode two dale is a huge fan of the kingdom hearts series and uh did it, you have him try to justify no the various continuity errors no so i you know i hang out i don't really i don't consume twitch i i produce on twitch I, right. i'm a content creator not content consumer and a lot of people are like, well, you, you got to also consume in order to create. No, you fucking don't. But Dale is one of the few streamers that I actually genuinely, genuinely enjoy watching. Um, and he was doing Kingdom Hearts 3. And it was kind of fun watching him be like, I want to be into this. Mm. I want to w like this as much as I like 1 and 2. But I don't. And <sighs> I'm just kind of glad I didn't waste eight and a half or nine games, whatever it is on the storyline that ends up with kids on iPhones. You really shouldn't have brought up Kingdom Hearts three. <laughs> Cause I could go on a, like I have not played it yet. I've only seen gameplay footage of it, but just from the gameplay footage alone and also the plot, I also know the plot of it. I have several things to say about that, but let's get back to the esports thing. Cause I don't think you want to dedicate the whole episode to me being wrong about Kingdom Hearts three. <laughs> Well, after you play it, you could come back and talk about it, because now you have to play it. Dude, that game is like 60 hours long. I will not be back here to talk about it. I will not be. <laughs> so, so the esports world actually is, um, it's been picking up momentum, but I feel like now that we're starting to see, like, it was kind of a big deal. I want to say it was two years ago, and I, I should have done my research before I brought this up. But guys, welcome to the episode where we wing everything and we fight our allergies. Um, there was a small university in Indiana that signed the first full full four year scholarship to an esports athlete, mm -hmm. and everybody made a big deal about that. Now, it's like a legitimate avenue that people are pushing students towards mm. and these universities are starting to get on board and uh when you see these mid-level state universities and community colleges get involved it's very i don't know what the word i want it gives me hope as a gamer that my internet life doesn't have to stay hidden forever right well I'm sure a lot of this will be echoing what you might have heard from like previous projects that you've worked on, but sometimes all you need for an idea to get off the ground is someone to give you a chance. Right. 
And no one necessarily wants to be the first person to give someone a chance because they run the risk of having it be a total failure. But in the case of the random university offering a full-ride scholarship for esports, that's all you need. Right. Because now all of a sudden, everyone at the high school level is starting to build stuff. And then all of a sudden, there's universities that are building dedicated spaces to practice and engage in esports activities. And all of a sudden there's an entire bracket that just popped out of the blue and now there's a competitive bracket that is state regional and potentially nationwide and it could just build from there because because i'm sure you probably were from the days of and this is probably going to be super dated but from the days where the only esports thing you ever heard about was a random land tournament for mm. counter-strike 1.6 in someone's basement somewhere or even like a tabletop shop well like tabletop shop lands were the primary spot for esports events i think back to um and my students don't believe me when i tell them this and part of me is like damn i wish i'd been born 10 years later uh i used to get paid to play halo 2 mm-hmm. and gears of war and call of duty 4 modern warfare and we used to go to these land tournaments right you know, we used to go up to Providence. It was actually at a, a EB. That's how that's how old this is. Um, so a portion of the store would be sectioned off, and and we'd be playing on uh, TVs that were set up around, and you'd have people shopping behind you for right. I don't know Britney Spears CDs, and we'd be sitting there. They sell Britney Spears CDs at EB? Maybe. Who knows? I don't know. There were CDs behind where we played in uh, the Providence store, and. We walked away as a four-man team in Halo 2 with $6,000 to split between. Yeah. And that was for the Northeast Regional Championship. Yeah. And now you look at, like, you know, Halo 5 or, or whatever the last big Halo tournament was. I looked this up just to see. There was a $1.2 million prize pool. Yeah. For pretty much doing the exact and same thing. And that's for Halo. If you went to League, it would probably be at least double that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's insane where it's gotten to, but coming from the foundations where, yeah, you had to, if you wanted to be a quote-unquote professional gamer, you had to be willing to put your Xbox, your controllers, your uh, computer, all that in the back of a trunk and drive two to, I think the furthest we ever drew was, it was, uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, mm-hmm. to play. And and we won, I think, like $400, which I think we spent on gas in a hotel, like 350 Yeah. So we, we walked away with 50 bucks, but, you know, on the little website. Yeah, that's website. some serious 1990s money right there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So and that was even before, you know, a lot of people today talk about MLG, MLG. This was game battles before yeah. MLG was... What it well, is. MLG kind of existed alongside Game Battles well, for a really long right. time. Right. It was kind of, though, the way it was looked at was... It was kind of like Game Battles was like the answer, and then MLG was the pro. Right. Exactly. We Anybody could just sign up, win a, a satellite tournament on Game Battles, and if you won the Game Battles regional, then you get invited to MLG. Mm. You know? So it was kind of like, exactly like you said, you have the semi-pro and then the pro league, but it didn't... It didn't pay. It didn't evolve. And people used to think that we were ridiculous for spending six hours a day on a map, right? Nobody else mm. on there, just looking for yeah angles, you know, stuff that you could find in 30 seconds in a YouTube video now. Like, we didn't have that to go to. And now we have universities giving these kids 
full-blown scholarships. And it's kind of just rewarding to see that the grassroots movement of the land parties has turned into something legitimate. Mm. But I think also part of that is a lot of the people that were doing those lands are now in a position where they control, you know, the power. Yeah. The, the nerds rule the world now. That's kind of like the whole thing. Very true. Very true. So normally, folks, what, what we do here is we go for about another 10 minutes before the episode would end. But what I want to do, because I want to completely switch, I want to kind of switch gears entirely here. You know, we, we've talked a little bit about uh, the history of esports. We talked a little bit about video production. We talked a little bit about universities getting involved in. I, I don't. Do I call it sports? Do I call it extracurriculars? Club that team? all that is still very theoretical. Even at the, even from the perspective from what I am, what I, what I know. <laughs> let me put my hand on the Bible right here and raise my right hand. What I am aware of in terms of planning the esports program at the university that I currently work at, it's all entirely theoretical right now because I heard one perspective saying that they want it to be added to athletics and then one perspective saying that it'll never be added to athletics and one perspective saying like we'll have a club team and then an athletic team and then also that's not happening at all. This is going to be for a curriculum thing. And the curriculum is going to be esports integrated, but also have like all this other stuff on the same time, so you could like utilize the hardware that's in the room. Um, it's still completely up in the air. I think they have some sort of idea what they want to do, but they haven't had the time to like sit at the table and be like, "What are we doing with this space, and how can it benefit our university going into the future?" And I think once they figure out, I- I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know the inner workings, but as somebody that works in the education system. There's going to be one simple question that as soon as they figure out how to answer it, they're going to know where it belongs. Mm -hmm. What makes the university the most amount of money? Yeah, and that's the primary question that's that's driving the whole thing of like, we don't know what we're doing in this space yet. So I want to switch gears. So we're going to make a part one, part two here. In part two, I want to come back and, and talk with Spence as the individual nerd and how he developed his current nerd taste, and what recommendations he could put out there for you guys in the realms of nerddom. So go ahead, get that shit preloaded. Part two, coming up in just a minute. Pre-order next episode. <laughs>